Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Echale Podcast. My name is Jose Quintero, and today's episode is all about money. Uh, 2024 is right around the corner, and I brought somebody that's already been in the podcast in the past, but I'm very excited to have con nosotros, Morris! Once again, ¿cómo andas, hermano? Oh, how you doing, Jose? Doing well so far. It's been pretty nice uh, seeing how the markets are reacting and seeing how the economy is evolving now uh -huh. that... This whole COVID stuff is over, so it's pretty fun to be back. And actually, I, it's great to see you again after the <laughs> wedding. I, I, I hope know. you had fun. I hope you had fun. I did. I did have fun. So Mar yeah. uh, Morris recently got married. Yeah. Que su esposa is right here with yeah, us. You know, she's like, hey, yeah, supporting in the porras, <laughs> porras, Yeah, no, <laughs> but I really wanted to bring you on because you are one of the most knowledgeable people I know on finance. Y es porque somos igualitos. Te encanta el dinero, but you actually go above and beyond and research every single company. And I wish I was a little bit more. No, not a little bit. A lot more like you. <laughs> and cada vez que tengo una pregunta, tengo una duda, or I'm like, hey, I need help with something of financial advice. I always reach out to Morris, and he always tells me I'm not a financial advisor. To take it with a grain of salt. But I still feel like you have a lot of knowledge to provide to all our listeners. So if you're listening to this, make sure you pay attention because 2024, we want you to be rich. Uh, so, Morris. Empecemos. 2024 is right around the corner. What do you recommend people to start doing? Let's go ahead and take it back to the start. See, if somebody is 18 years old, straight out of college, mm -hmm. or, or straight out of high school, not college. If you're 18 out of college, then <laughs> you probably know a lot you're more than us. Very quick, very quick. You got through it pretty fast. Yeah. But what are, okay, so financial yeah. basics for people. Yeah, so, well, one thing, like I say, like I'm not a financial advisor, you know, I cannot give you personal financial advice, and I am not a CPA, or I don't have any official training in how to tell people how to do investing. So this is mostly your decision, and you can take all my opinions, and I'll, like I tell everybody, I could be wrong, and things could be so much different a year from now than what I... But he's mostly right, y'all. <laughs> but it turns out that we are... And at least the signs that we're seeing, at least the economy is throwing all those signs, you know, that 2024 is going to be a year of a lot of upheaval, a lot of change in the economy, mostly because we're seeing not only the government having the highest debt it has ever had, and then also personal debt has been the highest it's ever been. So both the American government and the American people have never spent this much money and being debt this much ever in the history of the, of the world. So the chances are that a recession in 2024 coming, it's pretty, pretty, not set in stone, but it's coming to be a rea almost 100% reality. I was going to say, based on what you read y todo lo que ves, would you say that we are 75% chance yes. of a recession, 45%, 100% chance of a recession? I think we are above 75, but <gasps> not yet 100. Yeah. Wow. We're, we're getting to that point at the moment. 
So, okay, when I think of a recession, and for anybody listening to this, I only remember the 2008 recession vaguely. And I say vaguely because I was, I graduated high school 2009. So Mm -hmm. 2008, it started-ish, right? But I was in college, so I didn't really, so then I went to college 2009, right, later on in the fall. So I didn't really get to see my parents financially struggle. But Mm -hmm. once I graduated uh, college, it was like, we were experiencing dark times. Your mom, like, I just knew my dad wasn't working anymore. I just didn't know why. I didn't know that they were struggling financially, and that's why my mom decided to work like she started working at the 99 cent store and to me it was like oh okay my mom wants to trabajar quiere trabajar que bueno mi papá va a descansar un ratito mientras mi mamá des- like trabaja i didn't know the whole backstory so, i didn't yeah. know like okay he his company um they laid him off then the company went bankrupt and then she had to step into the workforce to provide to pay the mortgage and okay are we seeing something similar to that yeah, at the moment, there's a lot of discourse, of course, between the people that keep saying it's not going to be like 2008, like it's going to be more, less of an issue when it comes to real estate, less of an issue when it comes to jobs, because, you know, as, as we currently are, real estate hasn't dropped as much and jobs are still pretty high. People still have jobs and there hasn't been a huge unemployment like it was 2008. But then there's another group of people on the other aisle which are saying, well, it's not now, but it's gonna it's yeah. gonna become that, and we are starting to see at least a trend where job unemployment, at least the numbers of, of people being unemployed, is going up. Then mm. the number of companies that are laying off employees is going up, and the number of people that are having at least two, three jobs in order to sustain their families is going up. So all these indicators are basically leading indicators of what could happen. And like I said, we it's not 100% sure, you know, there's a possibility that mm-hmm. miraculously, you know, by by the grace of God, we might yeah. see a soft landing. The Federal Reserve, you know, achieves deflation and achieves a job market that is stable and everything is back to normal as usual. You know, yields come down and people are able to borrow money at 3 4% again. Okay, so... Obviously, we are in a high interest rate environment right now. The cost of goods is skyrocketing. It's ridiculously high. And I was listening to the news and somebody in their financial report was saying, like, even though we're seeing these high interest rates, when they come down, don't expect prices of these goods and services to come down as well. So they're going to continue to stay up. And I'm going to ask you, for advice on that, porque a lot of people who are listening to this podcast are probably like myself, right? Who are like, oh my God, I wish I made more money. I wish I could uh, afford a house. Yeah. I was literally in Thanksgiving talking to my cousins and they have, uh, they bought their house uh, 2005, you know, yeah. on a one income type of stuff. And I was just like, well, you guys had it easier. And he's all like, well, it, I bought it, it with two mortgage loans, right? Yeah. So it was different times. And I don't know, me está diciendo, look, as time progresses, your income should also increase. Sure. Yeah. So if we stay stuck in comparing, pues antes había esto, antes mm. había el otro. Ustedes la tuvieron más fácil. You guys had it easier. We're never going to 
tackle the problem. The root, yeah. So where can we start tackling the problem? <laughs> well, the main thing is at home. Uh, one thing that we can do as uh, consumers, because uh-huh. basically this this whole system is all about consumerism. The less we consume, the less businesses make, the less businesses will be forced to raise prices, and the less you know uh, companies will be willing to to raise prices. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all based on supply and demand. Currently, we're seeing that demand is still pretty high for the supply that we have at the moment. It's mm-hmm. it's come down a lot from 2022, 2021. Okay, but it's still pretty high, and that's what leading pri- that's still what's leading prices to go up. Like if you see, um, and I was just reading this that Chipotle is raising prices and McDonald's is raising prices on the on the food, and that is because you know still people are still buying things. That is leading to businesses seeing that okay, that people still have money to spend, yeah. and that is leading to us. Yeah, we can raise our prices; people will pay them. So, what we want to do in the home, starting from the home, is building a budget. Is creating yourself a way to budget your money so you don't spend more than what you're making. You want to make sure that you're living under your means, so that when this recession and these issues actually does happen, you are already set up your system your house and everything is already according to plan you're just spending what you need to spend and you're not okay. overspending them for money that you may not have okay so i like doing real world examples and i'm gonna just be transparent and kind of <laughs> have this as a financial <laughs> session because yes, yes. i i i think more than anything, we were going to talk about this podcast, one thing. And right now, we're, I really want us to focus on preparing for a recession or, or for preparing yeah. for a possible recession. So just using real-world examples. All right. If I have, let's say, $2,000 in credit card debt, which I don't. Okay, I'm just going to use my examples. I have 1000 in credit card debt. Yeah. I have, uh, let's, twenty five in car debt. And I have fifty k in student loan. All right, and yeah. I'm assuming some people are in that pretty same boat, right? Yeah, pretty similar. You know, similar. student loan, car, and then uh, credit card. I don't have a mortgage. I don't mm-hmm. pay rent because I live in my parents' house. My parents live in Mexico. They come and go. That is a privilege that I have. And I know people probably add, uh, let's say, 1.5K in rent a month. Let's, Basic. Uh, yeah. Okay. Where it's 2024, it's January what do you suggest this hypothetical person or aka me do? Yeah, well, one thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna talk about building a budget, and that's one thing that we can do. And then the next thing, once you have your budget set up, you you gotta make sure you have some money left over that you can use to tackle that problem of debt. So okay. when it comes to debt, you wanna get rid of as much as possible prior to an economic downturn, and. Like in your example, if you have $1,000 in credit card debt and you have built a budget that at least at the end of the month, let's say you are able to save $500 that you are just don't have it there, that you yeah. figured out, okay, if I cut this streaming service, if I cut this uh, outings and uh, going to restaurants, if I cut this uh, subscription to this kind of program and I have $500 at the end, those $500 can go into that $1,000 credit card mm-hmm. debt because that by just by looking at the numbers, that will be the one with the highest interest rate. Yes. Credit cards, at least at the moment, because of the high interest environment that we're living in, are between 20 to 25 in interest rates. 
and they might come down now that interest rates are starting to fall a little bit, but they're still going to be the highest uh, expense in all of your debt. Let's let's talk about that. It's 20% monthly interest rates or AP? Mm-hmm. It's APY. So okay, it's so it's a yearly. Year, okay, because yeah. I was going to say, so if I have $100, yeah. it's going to charge me 20 bucks a month? No. Close, but uh, it, it's not like, it doesn't work that way. But uh, let's say you have 20% throughout all of the year. So they work in a, uh, is APR, not APY. So uh-huh. it's variable every single day. Mm. So let's say you divide the 20% divided by 365 days. Every day, that times in the total amount of the debt that you have is what goes up every day. So they yeah. do it on a daily basis. It's a compounded interest that gets gotcha. built on every day. So today you have 100 tomorrow you have 120 cents <laughs> basically 145 yeah. cents yeah so oh my god up little by little by little and that is what creeps into people's pockets because that is uh at least a number that came out banks right now are making more money in interest repayment than they're making on the actual businesses that they have from mm. loaning from uh like uh, buying or investing, they make more money on the interest on their credit cards every single day than they make on their other actual ventures. <sighs> I so need they're, they're slowly you know, I, getting our, our, our pocket out. I know, I know. And we're over here just in our savings account with 0.01%. <laughs> like yes. if you have, I'm sorry, I'm going to blast them out. Wells Fargo, uh, mm-hmm. Citibank, Chase, they're offering these low, we've already explained it in other podcast episodes, but they're offering this very low interest rate on your savings account. Open up a high yield savings account. Yeah. It's, it's better. It's You're not going to get the 20, 30% return that the <laughs> banks are getting, yeah. but you're going to get something more. It's going to be, you know, a little at least change that you can use to, you know, accommodate your expenses and maybe pay loans at the end of that year. Let's say you get a 10%, not 10%, but 5% high yield savings account. There are some out there that are still giving you 5%, but the majority are between four to five. Yes. So let's say you put a hundred or a thousand, let's say a thousand. If you have a thousand laying around, let's see, under the mattress somewhere mm-hmm. in like a safe in your house that is not moving, it's just chilling there in, in cash. You grab the cash, you put it on a high yield savings account in a reputable location. Don't just go into any any bank that is, you know, a weird name like let's say, uh, and this happened, you know, SBB yeah. yes. or Silicon Valley Bank. That it's you know at least banks that you've known for years. It's say American Express. Uh, their Chase offer, offers a high yield account, but it's not as big as Amex ah, or okay. or um, the one that we have is another one, Ally. So if you have all these. That are at least paying you four percent, let's say a thousand okay. at the end of the year. That's around forty, forty, forty dollars that you can use to mm-hmm. pay down loans. I was pay down debt. Literally, uh, one of my friends was telling me about Wealthfront. Oh yeah, oh I heard of that okay, one. yeah. It, it's like, and it says right here because he sent me like the code. It says earn five point five percent APY with Wealthfront, and then earn an extra point five boost when you sign up so it's like at six percent you're just like wait what uh but you want to know how they do it and i actually kind of like saw a little bit of how they work and what they do is since they're in all online like they save a lot of serving they they don't spend too much money okay so a lot of their profits and income that they don't have to spend on physical locations and having all these services they give it to you as a you know stipend in your in your in your in your 
what is going to be a high yield account. But what they also do behind the door is that your money that you give to them, they invest in treasuries. And those mm-hmm. treasuries are paying between 5 to 6%, depending on which ones you're in. Got it. Um, especially if it's a, right now, a five, a two-year or a six months, they're paying around 4.89 to 5. Okay. So it's been fluctuating the last few months. But it's been staying pretty high. So what they do is they get make that money. They also invest in other venues. And with that extra income, they are able to pay the 5%. All right. I have credit card debt. What if I'm still like, hey, I am spread <laughs> yeah. thin. Like, literal, pago mi carro, pago mi rent, pago mis credit cards. I'm a single mom. I'm literally, like, feeding my child. Like, I don't have an extra dollar to spare. Yeah, those are very very hard and, and very real yeah it happens cuando te sientes que hey de dónde saco un dólar para para guardar de dónde lo puedo sacar yeah where can you get those where can you get that cash and there are many ways you could find cash at lower interest rates mm. now it all depends on your credit score because all these uh, are basically loans on your credit so if you have really good credit score and you have a, let's say, a credit card that gives you a high uh, limit. And I don't recommend this unless you are able to, you know, figure out your finances and stuff like that. You can take a 0% loan mm-hmm. from one of these credit cards that you have. Because sometimes they give you, let's say, they, uh, they, they send it to me all the time. It's, uh, we'll give you a 0% loan as long as you pay an upfront 3%, which is way less than what they charge if you take it out now, which is 20%. Yeah. So we'll charge you 3% for a cash out from your credit card balance and it's going to be zero. So you can start paying it from the moment you have it. So what I would do is with that money, I would pay any high yield uh, Mm. loan that you have. Let's say you take out 20,000 from one credit card at 0% interest to pay a loan, uh, to pay a credit card that is giving you 20% 20 right now. So at least you can figure out how to pay that high interest credit card first and then slowly pay this one that is at zero percent because you paid the initial three percent but you have a time limit they give you a special of around half a year year and a half like 12 to 18 months 18 months to pay it off so that's short term the other way that you can do it and this is basically the what's going to fix most of your problems is find out how to start a business that is the e it's not going to be easy but yeah. will be the one that it'll it'll affect you the less in the long run, and it's gonna be the one that is gonna f- get you out of the rut or whatever issue that you have with your with your income. Building a second stream of income, building an, a business, will solve a lot of the problems that you have. If in case you get laid off, in yeah. case you um, let's say they cut your hours, or in case you know you have to find money in another way. But building that second stream of income is very important. Prior to a recession. I would also add trying to see if you can. I know some people are like, all right, well, I'm going to get a second job because that's that's a possible way. Uh, if you want to be an independent contractor, 8K, Uber mm-hmm. driver, yeah. <laughs> Uber driver, uh, Lyft driver, yeah. Uber Eats, Postmates, those are all independent contractors where you could technically be a, your yeah, own you LLC, your right? Own. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm over here like, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I, one thing that I just recently did, hopefully it goes through by the time this 
podcast episode airs, but I asked for a raise. Oh, and yeah. I know, That's a good one, too. Very, I asked for easy. a raise. Yeah. And it, it's so uh, because I'm always advocating for other people to get raises and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I finally advocated for myself. And hopefully by the time I could give you guys news, like, yeah. Okay, <laughs> that I got, and I asked for a twenty percent increase. Oh, that's not bad. I mean, <laughs> well, I don't ever, don't ever sell yourself short. That's one thing. You believe in yourself, and you know your skills, and you know what you bring to the table. You can sell that to your employer, and the employer is gonna know. Yeah, if you're worth it, they'll give it to you. So yes. I would always say advocate for yourself, no matter what. Definitely. Okay, so we got done with credit cards. We talked about how to make more money, whether it be increasing your salary, whether it be uh, asking for a raise, getting a second job, starting a business. What can we continue to do to prepare for a recession? Well, let's say you at least now have a budget. You have, you're building your savings up, and you also you're paying down your debt. The next thing to prepare, basically, what I would do, and it, this is what I've been doing with, with my girly, uh, well, with my wifey, I shouldn't say girly, <laughs> but we are investing in treasuries and bonds. What is that? I tried <laughs> to have a conversation with Eddie. Eddie was, we had a whole like masterclass on finances, Finance 101. You guys mm-hmm. can go ahead and check them out. Uh, but w- treasuries and bonds were like so unknown to us. Sure. Yeah. I invest in like an ETF for, I think it's treasuries or mm-hmm. something. Because yeah. I was like, There's I don't know. Years. So I'd rather just <laughs> get a piece of everything. Yeah. <laughs> no, the thing is with treasuries, you know, unlike stocks and the stock market, treasuries are tied to the debt of a business. So I wouldn't, at least at the moment, the, the way the current economic situation is and the, the climate that we're living in, I would not invest in private equity of or private bonds from private companies. But what I do invest in is the U.S. debt. Mm. The U.S. and by far for generations, U.S. bonds or U.S. treasuries that come straight from the Federal Reserve or the Treasury are the safest form of investment because it all relies on the stability of the U.S. economy. I'm still confused. <laughs> so a treasury yeah. bond or, okay, so... Yeah. I'm a I'm a visual learner, so if you're listening to us on uh you know on the podcast or viewing us on YouTube, all right. So you have the this is a treasury bond. Yeah. So let's say the government comes in and says, okay, we need to raise a million dollars. Ah, and you literally are like we it's are like a crowdfunding. Lending. We are lending to the government. Yeah. Okay. I, so basically, okay. the government at least once a week. This happens wow. every every week. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Every week they come out and say, okay, for this week we're going to issue this many bonds. Let's say, for by an example, because they do by the billions. But by example, let's say we're going to go to one million. This year the U.S. government, I mean this week the U.S. government needs to raise a billion dollars, I mean a million dollars in bonds. Uh-huh. So what they do is like they come to the market and they say, okay, we're offering these IOUs uh-huh. to you, the general public. If you want to buy down our debt or buy down any of the uh-huh. the government's uh, uh, backing debt, so what happens is institutions come. Is the bigger players are the institutions, like big investing firms, banks, and uh, uh, investing portfolios, like like Bridgewater Associates, yes. uh, Bank of America, Chase, uh, BlackRock. All these people are <laughs> all these people are like, okay, you know, we want to buy bonds from the government. So they come to the government. The government says, okay, we have a million dollars to to sell. 
the majority of, of that million dollars is going to be sold to the firms mm-hmm. because they're the ones that are going to be having the cash ready. Yes. The rest, once the firms have gotten their pie, yeah. then they come to the, if there's anything left, they're going to come to the general public. Mm-hmm. And that's when the treasury auctions happen. And most likely, if you know about treasuries, you want to invest it in, in, a, in a secure way. So you got to open yourself a brokerage account with the government. Ah, so it's not yeah. like opening up a Robinhood, it's not, American yeah, Trade. So it's a whole, it it's own entity. It's its own entity, it's its own gotcha. system. And it's the way to go to it is the treasury uh, direct.gov. So if you put that in into your browser, uh-huh. treasury direct.gov, because uh-huh. it's a government website, you create your account, you set up your, your bank connection to with the account, and then every every single week you have the opportunity to buy bonds. Mm. Now that bond, it since it's a loan that you're giving to the government, the government also pays you an a interest gotcha. on that loan. Currently, th- and this is the highest interest we've had in bonds in tw- in over twenty years. Okay. So right now, interest rates for a six month bond, meaning that you have to buy this bond and you gotta hold it for six months. Once the six months is over, the United States government gives you the money. So. A six-month bond, let's say you're buying $1,000 of that bond, you're going to pay only $993, around that that amount. Okay. In those six months, you're going to be making that 4.5%, and at the end of it, they'll give you the full $1,000. You only pay $997 for it. Okay. But at the end of the the six months, the period that the bond lasts— they'll give you the full amount. And that includes the interest for you loaning to the government. So you only pay a a smaller price for it at the end of the day. They give you the the total amount. Mm. And that extra is the interest rate that they'll give you, that you loan the money for. So not only are you giving them less than they are asking for, Mm -hmm. you get that full amount back plus the interest at the end of whatever the term is. It's similar to like a CD? It's like a CD. Okay. So... When I say investing on it, it's because you actually have to go and put your money in and, and do it yourself. But you can also do it through a CD, but of course with l- way less interest. So investing is when you do it on your own. CD is when you let the banks do it for you. And so, treasures when you let the government do uh, it for you. Yeah, basically. Got yeah. you. All right. So, so we talked about, uh, and we're rushing through it because I want to get into more like what can people do and expect in a recession. But we're going to go ahead and take a small little break. Yes. And when we come back, we're going to go ahead and talk about uh, in the stock market and <laughs> yeah. then also business and then how you transformed your whole family around thanks to <laughs> your investments. We, yeah. When we come back, y'all. Thank you. All right, we are back with Morris talking about finances, talking about preparing for a recession. Uh, we had just literally discussed uh, what treasuries are, which now I know what yeah. they are. <laughs> it's, uh, a, it's a hard concept in the beginning. Yeah. You have to like, okay, you have to, have to figure out, okay, you pay less, but you get a lot more yeah. at the end. Okay, so 2024. Um, possible recession we've already discussed as to why but i want to know the stock market should we be investing in the stock market people are like should i just take the money and run with it (laughs) at this point if it's going to be a recession true yeah in at least what happens in recessions you know everything will have an impact on prices 
Uh, recessions always tend to lead the stock market lower, real estate prices lower, uh, businesses may have to cut expenses mm -hmm. leading to more layoffs. So people get fearful in a recession, so they try to get their money out. Now that doesn't mean you have to sell and get rid of all your investments and go 100% cash and, and just wait it out until the end of the recession because no one knows what might happen. The easiest and the most secure way in investing is just make sure that your investments are in a secure ETF or a secure bond investment or a secure form of a company or a, secu a secure company yeah. that you know will weather out those recessions. Gotcha. So what I am doing, and, and this is all something that I do, you don't have to do it. Like I said, I could be wrong and everything. I am putting a lot of my 401k in three areas. One is in long-term treasury bonds. So okay. I'm buying bonds, yeah. uh, ETFs or mutual funds in my 401k. I am buying the S&P 500 because okay. no matter what, you're still going to, the companies might suffer. Okay. They will most likely will suffer during a session. But you don't want to just sell out everything just because. 401ks, you know, the, the by the way, just real quick and sorry to interrupt. Oh, your 401k. Right. I did no, not even mention No, that. no, no. Like uh, usually your job offers a 401k. But I want to kind of explore that a little bit. But you can tell your 401k what to do. Yeah. Or I just automatically assume that the company that you're like the actual company you work for they tell you like all right this is what it's invested in and kind of so in the beginning when you create your 401k because if like for all the viewers if you're not understanding or you don't know what a 401k is it's a retirement plan that is provided and sponsored by your employer mm -hmm. so your employer kind of has to have that program in place before you get employed for you to be able to qualify for it so it's basically an ira yeah. But provided by your employer. Got you. Now, depending on the employer, they give you a match. And what a match is, is let's say if you put $5,000 every month, we'll match that $5,000 up to the $5,000. So in total, you get double, 10000 That's once, if it matches 100% because yeah. mine doesn't. Mine <laughs> matches like 20%. Yeah. So if you let's say, depending on which company and what the company does, They'll say, okay, we'll match up to, for my, my in my case, it's only 10%. Oh, okay. So it's even less. Damn. But you get a, <laughs> so. <laughs> I was like, well, it's because when I used to work at university, because I worked at yeah. Casa San Bernardino, like they had really great benefits and it was like a 100% match. And I didn't take advantage because I wasn't financially literate enough. True, yeah. And it's free money. Yeah. It's basically money that the company gives you just for putting it in your retirement. Yeah. So it, it pays to be putting money in a 401k that offers a match because it's basically giving you free money to just protect your future. Yeah. Um, so what happens is, let's say a company, let's say in my case, it has 10% matching, and they're going to end it, by the way. They're not going to keep doing that in 2024, but what? I they're cannot not... talk about it too much. Oh, your company? Like, my company. Oh, okay. I, I was yeah. like, my company too? <laughs> <bad, laughs> man. No, my employer, they're going to end it. And you most likely will hear about it because it's becoming a big topic. And, yeah, big topic. And some people already on YouTube are making videos of it. And how, if this works and it becomes like a thing, it could affect the stock market in the long run. Okay. But um, what happens is currently, at least for the time being, that 10% gets matched and it goes into as a funding to the 401k. Now, the, f the funding is just cash that you have in your 401k, so you have to decide where to put it. In the beginning, when you create your 401k account, they'd say they put you by default in a category. Let's say if you are 
most likely going to retire in your 60s, which mm -hmm. is everybody retires, majority <laughs> retires in their 60s. They're going to put you in the year of your retirement. So let's yeah. say they put you in a fund that says, okay, since you're 30 and you're going to retire, let's say, in 2040, by that yeah. time you'll be like in your, in your 60s. No, actually 2050. Yeah. That's your 60s. So if you're 30, you come into the company, you open your 401k, most likely you'll retire around 2055. So yeah. they'll put you in the retirement of 2055. And what happens is in that mutual fund retirement up to 2055 is an active investing. Uh. So every year they put a certain amount in bonds and a certain amount in stocks. And as the years go by, they increase the bond and they lower the stocks because they want you as you get older to be less exposed to risk. Mm, that okay. way, once you get to your 60s, it's 90% bonds and 10% stocks. That way you have you know more secure income because everybody investing in bonds gets money every month and you still have your investments that you've been paying that you've been buying since you were 30 but you're buying less and less and less every year so yeah. that's what at least for in my company that's what they do in that mutual fund but what gotcha. i do i switch that i don't want to be retired in 2025 <laughs> i mean uh. 2055 so i go i switch it to bonds and i switch it to the s p 500 and i switch it to so you tech. can tell like allocations like 20 percent here 30 percent. okay perfect yeah. okay so let's say you have a right now you're by default in the 2055 retirement mutual fund in the future you don't want to be there so you switch your by the next month because you cannot do it mm -hmm. real time you do it every single time they pay you it goes into your 401k so you switch your electments that's what they call mm -hmm. it you electing to switch your 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 where your money is going to go into so in my case i switched it to the s p 500 mutual right. fund the long-term bonds mutual fund the medium-term bonds, bonds mutual fund, the tech mutual fund, which is the NASDAQ, mm -hmm. and the dividend mutual fund, which yeah. is like the, the high dividend ETF. Yeah. Well, so, he just gave you everything that he's investing <laughs> in his 401k, so yeah. just mimic it. <laughs> yeah, so in a 401k, you want to kind of like limit your risk because it's your retirement. Yeah. You don't want to play with that money too much. So majority of it, I am putting it in bonds, which are more secure than stocks because that's the government debt. Yeah. I'm putting it in U.S. bonds only. I'm not putting it in private bonds or private equity from private companies because a company can go down, and what happens to your bond? The bond just goes poof. Yeah. So if you at least put it in the U.S. economy, in the U.S. treasury, the bond is going to remain there as long as the United States exists and is able to honor its debt. We're talking about like the United States. We're talking about money and we're talking about 2024 possible re re recession. But one thing that I also want to keep in to account before we continue on is it's also an election year. Yeah. And so many people and I, I'm glad I have you here because you started investing and learning about money. How long ago? I think when Trump became president. I was going to say, okay, so so Trump. So I think it was maybe the end to his first term, beginning of his second term. Okay, no, so. No, he second term. No, he went first term, right? First term. So, yeah, the beginning of his first term. Yeah. That's when you started, like, learning more about yeah. money and started, like, hey, I need to do something. So let's talk about uh, Trump versus Biden. Yeah. How, obviously, two different uh, presidents, two different parties, two different economies. True. Um, yeah. Would you say that Biden's economy is a cause of uh, what Trump? Trump did? Yeah, I would say. Or 
Is Biden fucking up? No, I would say both of them, in a way, had the short end of the stick because of what happened in 2019, which is COVID. So if COVID would not have happened, the economy would not have had that huge of a recession, at least right after what happened. Because we weren't expecting what 2019 was a recession. It was was supposed to be, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, it was supposed to be a recession? That's when it was supposed to start, yeah. At least we're already seeing the Federal Reserve actually had raised rates 2017, 2018. I did not know. Well, see. And we were actually higher in rates. What happened in 2019 since COVID, they had to drop them to zero. They had to stimulate Ah. the economy because we were going to go into a recession. So many people were out of work. Yes. So many people did not have any money. So many people could not make ends meet. So what they did is they gave money stimulus, gave everybody stimulus money to survive. So they printed that money. Yeah. So they basically, they said, you know how they have that meme of Jerome Powell going burr Uh with with the money printer. It's actually not him who does the money printing. He handles the monetary policy of yeah. the banks. But who does the money printing is the Treasury Secretary, which is the Treasury. And they are the ones that print the money. So they were the ones that were doing it. Got they it. printed all those stimulus checks that came to people's hands and the PPP loans. I was going to say, like, Trump being the businessman that he is, and mm-hmm. now he's, like, kind of blaming Biden, like, oh, this fucked up economy. Yeah. But he was the one that allowed, like, the first couple stimulus checks to kind of go he out. Did. He did. And it's yeah. sort of like, wait, si eres tan chingón en el negocio, <laughs> why would you think that sure. that was such a good idea? Yeah, I think it, it was not up to him. Mm. It basically, it became a vote for all of the Congress and everything. So every, everybody had to like put their opinion. And I don't know if he was pro, but he knew he he had to be pro. Yeah. Because, I mean, giving money to people, it's, yeah. it boosts your, your, at least the way people see you. Yeah. Because, I mean, who doesn't like the person that's giving them money for free? Uh, I mean, so, <laughs> we hated Trump, yeah. but we got that stimmy and we were like, hi. I remember, I remember people were getting those stimulus checks and were like, oh, I guess Daddy Trump is not that bad. Yeah. You know? And then Biden came and he gave more money. And he was like, oh, I guess Daddy Biden is not yeah. bad either. Yeah, I see. I said Daddy so. Biden. Al otro no, I I'll take your money gladly. <laughs> so the problem is both of them had to suffer through the whole bad decisions of giving money for free to everyone. And the problem is that, uh, you know, people that had a lot more were able to take advantage and have a lot more. Those PPP loans were given mostly to business owners and people in government and people in, you know, positions of power. Yeah. And it helped them a lot to the point that they could invest more into their businesses, invest more into their capital, into their investments. And the people that, you know, were not so lucky with having so much income in our hands, we had to pay our, our bills. Yeah. We had to, like, buy home food and figure out how to survive. Well, well, the rich, you know, were investing that money. We were spending that money. And I think as Latinos, we were so also financially illiterate. And I speak for myself because I was financially okay. Like, I was paying my bills, so this was just extra money coming in. And I could have easily been like... I could just invest this and the stock market was low enough mm-hmm. that I could have been invested it in anything and I would have probably doubled that money or tripled. Basically, yeah. And I didn't. I was like, nos vamos a fiesta. <laughs> you know? I mean, me too. I'm not going to lie. I went on a couple trips right after that. Ah, no, see, I see. Yo tenía miedo. <laughs> I only went once and I was like, oh my God, oh my God. I went to Guanajuato. Um, yeah. I think it was 2021 or tw- or 2020, but I just sure. like needed to get out of the country. Yeah. No, it was a very hard time that's when i started living in with, with my now wife like uh-huh. girlfriend 
And yeah, we we had a. I I I I thought COVID, you know, in a way, was a blessing in disguise. Yeah, for a lot of people. Because I lived in, in um, in in the San Francisco area, so I live in in the in Silicon Valley at the time. But oh, working. By myself. Yeah, yeah, but I was living in my own apartment, paying around two thousand three hundred in in rent. Wow. On a one bedroom, one bathroom, just because it was in a. And nice you guys were already area. together. We were not at that. Uh-huh. Well, we were talking. We already okay. had. We were already like together in like. Ah, historias amor, I guess. Yeah, I was. She had. She had come to visit me. I had come to visit her in Long Beach. We were already thinking about. I oh, we should move in. Uh-huh. We were thinking. She was actually thinking about moving to San Francisco. Mira. To the to the San Jose. Este so, lo me lo agarro. She, she, I mean, and and I was like a hundred percent willing too. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was like, yeah, you know, let's do it. But uh, but. Because of COVID, I decided to go back home to live with my parents. Because you could work from home. Because I could work. That that was yeah. Like I, I know many people suffered during that time. Yes, it was very horrible, dark times for a lot of people. Yes. In my personal case, it was not bad because I could work from home. I lived at my parents. Which was in a. Or did you guys have an apartment at the time? Yeah. So basically, I closed down my rent from San Francisco and I I booked it back to Long Beach. And I went back to my parents and everything, and it was uh, it's it actually that allowed me to save, to invest more, which actually led me to buy the home in 2021. So let's go ahead and talk about that. We're oh, and I do want to go back to Bidenomics because that's yeah. what we currently have, and then what to expect in the 2024 presidential. But uh, the pandemic and not paying rent allowed you to start mm-hmm. being more financially literate. How sure. did you decide? I'm going to buy a house. Like, what were some key indicators for you? One, I already had the cash to put in as a down payment. I don't recommend anybody buying a home if they don't have the cash to put as a down payment. So, What does that mean? Oh, yeah. So, Did you have the 600 Did you have the 800 <laughs> yeah. Did you have the... <laughs> that is true. Yeah, no. At the moment, I got a conventional loan, but you could get... I, I could have qualified for a full first homeowners association uh-huh. loan. FHA. FHA. But I didn't want to do it because it was a higher interest. Conventional loans tend to have a lower interest, and they're a little bit cheaper when it comes to the private mortgage insurance. So FHA is at 3.5. Conventional would be 5%. Okay. Yeah, so I- <laughs> <laughs> no, you, I mean, he's, he's good. I'm telling you. He's been on it the past few years. Like, yeah. which by I've the, seen him invest. It's insane. Uh, thank you. Thank you. But yeah. which, by the way, it's all thanks to Morris Eddie, which I've also had on the podcast. And if anybody also wants to just start, uh, you know, getting their feet wet, we do have an Instagram uh, group page like that you guys can join completely free. Just let us know you guys want to join. And then Morris, more than anything, just updates us on what's going on in the stock market. So just sure. keep that in mind if you and guys Eddie's also want to. Yeah. You're there. Yeah. So uh, so it's there's a lot of heads you can ask questions about. And yeah. I, we always like r- make these questions times when people want to, you know, put their question and, and, and they want to. I mean, like we say, we're, we're not experts. We just give our opinion. Yeah. And it's all, you know, you decide when where you want to take your money and put your money. At the end of the day, you have to be worried about your finances more than we are. Mm-hmm. So you have to, like, learn those little nuggets here and there. But we provide you with at least the links to figure out, okay, this is what you should uh, be able to do with this amount of cash. This is where we are investing. Not sure if that is something that you prefer. So we kind of give suggestions. Yes. So Um, you had enough to put 5% down on a house. What were you looking for in a house? Uh, To me, it was important to be big enough because I was going to be moving in my parents. Okay. So my parents, you know, like, I I, I don't know if you know this, but I was undocumented up to like, 
2016. Oh, I was going to say up until like <laughs> last week that you got married. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. She got me that paper. She was like, baby, you want to get married? I'm not. <laughs> no, no. She actually, I actually met her before I even had papers. Yeah. Okay. So that's how I knew she was the one because she liked me even before I had money. Oh, she amen. liked me. She saw me with my old ass. I mean, oh, my bad. <laughs> no, with you my, my bad Camry. <laughs> <laughs> she saw me with my 1998 Camry, like driving around. And then I was able to buy a car later on but yeah it was um, like I met her when I had nothing Yeah. so that's how I knew she was the one because she saw me when I had nothing and now she's with me when we, we have something, something. <laughs> exactly we have something yeah. and in the yeah, future we'll have we're more building it together like what we do is like we combine our finances yeah so our is savings that, are is together that, is that, I'm gonna ask personal question because I always uh, I say like do you guys have a joint account together? Like all the money goes or cada quien tiene sus cuentas. Yeah. yeah, we have our separate accounts, but we all, okay, this is money that, so I pay all the bills. Okay. And I pay all Eso the, <laughs> and I pay all the expenses of the household uh -huh. at, at every month. And then her money, we divide it into the, the two savings accounts. So I have mine, she has hers, we put it so on. So her money is the savings account, her, your money is the expenses. Mine is our expenses. That's smart. Yeah, so all her income, all Whatever she makes just goes into investing, savings, bonds, and my income goes into all. So you the pay the thing. credit cards. You I pay, pay the, the credit card. Well, she pays sometimes when she. I was gonna say. Not I see that American <laughs> Express from time to time. <laughs> Let <laughs> it fly. <laughs> Not everything, but I do pay majority. But if she does make purchases on the credit cards, then she pays them on her own. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so she does. She doesn't leave me with the bill. Okay. She also, you know, okay. If I was, she goes gonna, out with I the was gonna be like, damn, y'all don't want to trouble over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're always accepting applications. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's no. awesome. You know, I've always told sometimes my friends, and maybe like your your guys is the be better way, or maybe every cada pareja mm -hmm. tiene su propio like their own way. But gotcha. maybe in my case, what I would want to do is like cada quien tenga su propia bank account, yes. but then also money allocation. Like, hey, if I'm gonna be putting two hundred dollars a week, you put one hundred dollars a week on a high yield savings account yeah, that yeah. is both of ours, right? Yeah. But your guys' way works too. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, I mean, it, it helps because if anything happens, she has an emergency fund. I have an emergency fund. Okay, gotcha. And we can always pull on it together. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, uh, she has her own retirement. Like the good thing is, like since she was for the government, with a government entity, she has a pension. She has Got retirement. It. She has. So I don't have to provide her with any of that. She's a very smart cookie. I'm not gonna lie. So she. I know you wouldn't be with her if you weren't. Yeah, <laughs> and then she's starting her own business too. Mira so la, it's like so she's out here. <laughs> So in the end, I'll be the one, you know, asking her. I'm, I'm, I'm your dad. I'm sugar baby, you know. Yeah. Give me some money. <laughs> yes, you're gonna be your sugar mommy. So uh, it helps. It helps to have that like agreement on where we're gonna put our money. That two thousand three hundred that you used to pay in the Bay Area for rent. Now you were able mm -hmm. to start saving $2,300 a month. I'm pretty yeah. sure le dabas a tus papás porque yeah, te estás quedando yeah. well, así. So I don't want to say so it was I like the $2,300. Yeah. But how long after you moved mm -hmm. back with your parents were you like, I think I'm ready to buy a home? It was like a year. Okay, like a year, so you so. did do a whole year. Yeah, we so did entonces, a whole year of savings. Actually, since I moved early 2019, for almost most of 2019, I was living with my parents, and then we decided to get an apartment together. But now it was two incomes. And it was cheaper in Long Beach than it was in, in the San Francisco, Silicon yeah. Valley area. So we were paying for a one-bedroom, one-bathroom around 1900 
she had her job i had my job so then we all split it uh since we were not married yet we split it in a way of it was like since i, I was making a lot more money uh-huh. I I paid most of it and she paid one third of it. Okay. Of the rent and then I paid all the utilities and everything. Yes, so, yes, yes. But I still was paying a lot less than I was paying in the base. So I kept saving, investing, investing. I put as much money as I had free after expenses into the four hundred one k, into my in private investment, uh, Robinhood investing uh-huh. account, brokerage accounts from TD Ameritrade. So I was doing all of that, and then twenty twenty one came. So that was already two years of saving. Around that was two years of savings and investing that I I was going hardcore. Oh my god! And, and with zero percent interest. It's zero zero percent interest. Like casi casi on these houses. <laughs> yeah, no. At that time, my interest rate right now is three percent on my yeah. mortgage. Is is Banks way little. Hate you. Yeah, yeah they're, they're losing money. They're losing you. money on me and. Uh, the way the appreciation happened in 2021, like now the home is worth almost 300,000 more, more than when I what I paid for it. So it's at this point it had it made me more money than investing, and that's yeah. the way that I saw it. You know, if I if an investing will I make maybe 10 percent on a yearly basis, and that's a great year. You're making 10 yeah. percent on on, the, on your investings in the stock market at 10 percent, you are killing it. Yeah. But I knew that if I bought the home, not only I was going to get the appreciation of the land and the home, but I could move in my parents uh-huh. and I could move in my brother. My brother was in it too, looking for a place as well and myself. So when I saw a home that was big enough Probably and it you. was cheap enough in, in Long Beach, like five minutes from the beach, I was like, you know what? It might not be the best area because it's not in the best area. It's, it's not a like, really nice house, everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It, Maybe, it I don't know. Good. I saw it after it was renovated, but <laughs> yeah, like, it's oh, really nice. It was after <laughs> after renovations. Yeah, because sure. yeah, yeah. when we, bought, we saw the home, it was a wreck. But, but you saw little potential. Little, we saw the potential. So we saw a home that was not the best looking in the neighborhood. That's what I need. I'm just super eye-catchy. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, ay, está bonito, pero mira el precio. Y después digo, le echo el feo a uno que está bien madreado. Sure, yeah, you le hace el ojo y... I'm just like, maybe yeah, I should yeah. go with that one. I can afford that one. Yeah, yeah. So so we saw it, and since it was big enough for all of us, we I moved in my parents, I moved in my brother, and my now wife, and we're all there together. So what happens now, and this is what I recommend everybody who's trying to buy a home and your parents don't have a home yet, moving your parents or moving a family member because what happens now? I pay half of the mortgage. Yeah. My parents pay the other half of the and mortgage still with my brother. Save. And then I'm, I'm still saving with my wife. And I'm paying still about the same as when I was renting. Yeah. And my parents the same. They were paying the same as when they were renting. So basically, we just move from renting to different to owning to owning one together did you take have to take off all your investments no, no i just took around i think half half, half of all my investments was the down payment which was around because this, this was five percent on an over seven hundred thousand dollar home here in long beach it became to like 50 with closing costs plus all that stuff included okay like 52, so 50. 53 okay not bad and then yeah. mortgage was probably like what like mortgage 30? is around four thousand right now wow okay but so yeah. your mom works your dad works everybody in the household works, works so it's like <laughs> it, it pays 800 itself. bucks a person or so well yeah. around there it, you were talking about your 401k. I did not know you could take money away yeah. from your 401k if I wanted to buy a house. Actually, no es que yeah. tenga mucho. Tengo like 14, 15k <laughs> That's good enough. In there. That's good enough. But yeah. like what I have in savings, like now I know, hey, I could take that money. But will I get charged the not 10% fee, the 22% Nothing. fee? 
not 22% fee as long as it's a loan. So you're loaning it. So you're basically the the company that holds your 401k, which is Fidelity in my case. Um, they allow you to take, especially if you're buying a home, there's an actual loan that says that if you're buying your first time home. FHA, bitches. Yeah, if you're buying your first time home <laughs> as a first time homeowner and you want to take that money out of your 401k, you can do it at a very low interest rate. I don't know what the interest is right now. But the loan that I got at my, when I did it, it was 3% loan. Wait, so does, okay, so they loan you the money at yeah. a low interest rate. But you're paying the interest on your own money. So it's, the interest goes back into your account as an interest. Ah. But it's your funding inside your own So 401k. it's technically like getting two loans. So the bank gave you a loan and yeah. then you got a loan. Well, you'd get for a loan 401k. for one k So you'd be paying two different bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, this one's a lower, well, maybe Way a lower, lower interest yeah. rate. But um, at the end of the day, you're getting your, it's it's your, your own bank. money. Yeah. It's your money. Ah. So you, you yourself are your own bank. And you pay your own interest on your own money. Well, now I understand why people have like a bunch of money in their 401k and just get loans <laughs> off their 401k. Yeah. Or, okay, motherfucking white Yeah, people. then they have the whole life insurance, which yeah. is the same thing. Yes, it's like retirement. The cash value, depending on which one you have, but the cash value in your home life insurance is like a bank as well. You can borrow against it at an interest rate that you pay uh-huh. yourself on it. So you're paying let's say 4 or 5% on your own money every time you're paid, but it's going back to your own investment. But that's, see, that's another thing that we, like, you know, kind of tying it all back into, like, how do I save money? Well, you're automatically saving if mm-hmm. you're investing into a 401k, which for the most part, if you're mm-hmm. a full-time employee, you're already, like, stuff is already coming out of your yeah, paycheck. they're already taking it out as a tax. Yeah. So by doing it on a 401k, and this is why it's important to have these retirement uh, tax ad- ad- advantage accounts, is because you lower the amount of cash you're gonna getting taxed on, especially mm. if it's a Roth 401k, because you're paying it at the end once you cash out everything. Me perdiste, dilo otra vez. So every year, every single time you get paid, right, uh, uh-huh. from your job, they take a little amount. But let's say the total amount that you make a year is, fit, let's say you make 100,000. Okay. You make 100,000 in the year. But if you put four or 5,000 in your 401k, then that gets deducted from your total. So now gotcha. you they only tax you on ninety six thousand. Even if I like if on yeah. your work four hundred one k. Yeah, in your work. 401K. And what if I do a Roth? The same. It's it, the it same. lowers your liability. HSA. HSA as same. Health savings account and I have the whole three, life yo. account. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that lowers your tax liability. Can win uh, because they're retirement account. You're not supposed to use them or at least cash out until you're sixty five, but you can borrow or use them for certain purposes, like for an HSA, health savings account. Yes. You go to the dentist, you pay with that, and that is a tax advantage. Yeah, you don't pay taxes on those. And there's a five-year like statute mm-hmm. of limitation that you can uh, yeah. use that. All right, so we're going to go ahead and take a small, quick little break once again. And when we come back, we're going to finish this podcast episode and talk about Bidenomics, talk about mm-hmm. uh, 2024 <laughs> housing. Ooh, and it's going to yeah. be intense. Yeah, we'll be right back. All right, we are back, and <laughs> let's go ahead and talk about what can we expect housing for 2024. Because so many people in my generation want to buy a house, and by my generation, I mean me. Yeah, <laughs> no, a lot of people are going to benefit a lot for what's going to happen in 2024. So at the moment, we are living in a very high interest environment. So interest rates on FHA, mm-hmm. conventional loans, are hovering around the 7, 6.5 interest rates. That's making most of the people that could buy a home, like 
say that they can't because they cannot afford the payments no. of the private mortgage insurance if they don't get a 20% down payment. Because if you don't give a 20% down payment on the home, you have to pay an extra mortgage insurance, which is yes. not to even to the to you, it's to the bank yeah. for loaning you a money that makes makes it kind of risky. But if you pay 20%, they, they waive that out. But right now, I think for the same home, and I was doing the math, for the same home that I bought, that currently I'm paying four thousand. If I would buy it with today's interest rates, I'll be paying over six thousand dollars. So two thousand dollars on top every yes. month, just because of interest. So people are seeing all of this, and they're like saying, "Why am I gonna buy a home right now?" Exactly. And be, so, and and so many people say like, "Hey, it's better to be in mm-hmm. the market than or buy have a home than not have a home." But then True. you're also like, "But do I really want to?" Pay like I don't know when interest rates are gonna come down. Sure. Like, do I really want to pay six thousand, let's say, every <laughs> every month on a hey, they could come down tomorrow sure. or next yeah. year, you know? Uno nunca sabe. Yeah, no, it's a it's it's a game that you know not many people are able to play right now, at least when it comes to real estate investing. But you know, as long and this is the good thing about what's going on right now. As long as interest remains high, interest rates for home mortgages and, and everything else remains kind of high, that is allowing prices of homes and a lot of the things to start coming down. They're not coming down mm-hmm. as fast as we would like, which is not a bad thing. I think currently prices overall have still been going up in, gotcha. in, in as a national level. But certain cities are already seeing the brunt of the what could be an upcoming recession, Um, especially cities like Phoenix, cities like Austin, Mm -hmm. cities like Oakland, they're seeing the values of the homes starting to fall. And mostly that is because there's not a lot of buyers. So buyers are exiting, the market are exiting, you know, uh, wanting to buy a home at the mountain and then deciding to wait if interest rates start coming down. So the problem with that is, at least whoever is a seller of a home, has to lower the prices in order to like incentivize people to kind of want to be buying the home, but they're not going fast enough. So what we want to, as a person like that wants to buy a home, what you want to do is wait for the moment, at least when you start seeing interest rates and yields kind of like plateau when they're not going lower anymore. And then you see them like kind of like take a straight line and they're pausing the low the death line at yeah. a hospital yeah basically yeah like that's that's the perfect idea you see that heart rate going down and then flat lines Beep. at that moment that would be the perfect time to start buying a home and that's when most likely you start seeing inventory of home home sellers just like start lowering because more people are going to be going to buy a home so that would be like the perfect time actually it might even not be a bad time to start looking now uh-huh. If you're interested in buying later in 2025, I mean 2024, like mm-hmm. I'm talking about mid to late, because I still believe that interest rates are going to be high all of early 2024 up until maybe May, June, June. Okay. somewhere around there. And that is because that's what the Federal Reserve has said. I mean, many people are trying to get ahead of the Fed and say, you know, they're going to bring down interest rates maybe even next month. And I doubt it. I highly doubt interest rates are going to come down as fast as people are projecting it to be. Yeah, because then it's going to be a mess all over. It's going to be the whole thing again with inflation, inflation and and just exorbitant amount of yeah. like buying and not and home prices are going to skyrocket. And who's going to be able to afford a home that in 2021 was 700000 and now in 2024 it's a million. 
yeah. is, is going to be impossible for anyone to afford it. There's two scenarios that can happen late 2024 when mm. during presidential elections. Yeah. We stay with Biden or... Unfortunately, the only candidate for Republicans is Trump right now. It's from, starting from, to look like that. Yeah. yeah, from what it looks like. What can we... How, how do you see Biden? What do you think he's done? ¿Cómo lo has visto estos últimos años? I mean, he hasn't been horrible. I know people paint him out to be as like the one of the worst presidents. But let's remember that he also inherited maybe the worst pandemic in the modern era okay and he you know did do not the best decisions early on in his presidency giving out a lot of more free money and keeping everything close because and not promising student loan forgiveness <laughs> yes <laughs> and that's another thing you know he kind of like you know i don't know if you've seen that meme of michael scott promising the kids from the yeah. office like the 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 loans for their school yeah and the same thing happened to us he pulled the michael scott on us you know, yes from the office so yeah, no, it's it, it is not the best look. Yes. And that is going to hurt him in the future elections. And people are starting to get fed up because they're noticing that the country at least from what we see what the decisions they're making and everything is not heading into the best for the best interest of Americans. Okay. Um we've been noticing that the 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 debt of the United States keeps has never been this high in the history. Of all the countries, even in of all that we, the common era, we've never seen this much interest debt on the yeah. United States. And, and we keep sending to Ukraine. And, and, and we keep, yeah, we keep sending package of aid to a lot of countries, but we are not focusing here at home. Yeah. So if you notice, there's many, I mean, they're already saying that Social Security is going to get cut by 2050. So no nos va a tocar. Yes. So it's most likely going to run out of money even before then. So there's going to have to be changes and people are going to start looking at alternatives. Because gotcha. uh, if they if they feel that they're in a worse situation now than they were in 2020 2019 when Trump was there and in out of desperation they're going to look for the other the other alternative. Yeah. And that's what people are saying, you know, a lot of people are not happy with what he has done. A lot of people are not in a better situation today than they were five, four years, four years ago prior to the to the elections. So they're gonna look for a change, and that's the possibility that gives you know Trump the ability to have a a higher higher vote count than, yeah. than Biden. But still, no one knows what's gonna happen six months from from now. Yeah. Something can happen that is even worse or helps Biden that allows him to win the election. Do you think Trump would do a better job the second time around? I don't know, because that's the thing, you know, it's, at the end of the day, I don't think the president can do so much mm. to steer the country in a different, uh, completely direction. At the end of the day, a lot of politicians will do what the banks, what institutions, what finance firms tell them to do, because at the end of the day, they follow the money. Yeah. If, you look at what is being being decided on right now. It's like they want to uh, move into a world where it becomes a little bit easier to use technology instead of human labor. Mm, so, so AI, AI, robotics, uh, autonomous cars, because that will lower our carbon carbon footprint. And they're making a lot of decisions that may not actually be in the best interest of Americans. So not sure what's going to happen. At the end of the day, uh, yeah, it's basically follow the money. You know, yeah. <laughs> you follow the money, you see who's actually making those decisions. Like 
BlackRock. I was going to say BlackRock. <laughs> Vanguard. Yeah. And at the end of the day, they are the ones that are putting those politicians in place. They are the ones that are, you know, steering the conversation of where would our money go and where should we spend our tax dollars. Let's talk about BlackRock a little bit because it's a <laughs> it's a company that's buying yeah. out houses, buying out they properties, are. They are. and like keeping them kind of monopolizing. True. And, and like you know, and being their own house dealership. They are because now they get to set the prices, the rates, and mm -hmm. at what they sell. Right. Yeah. No. And it's the problem with that is you know. We have, uh, at least in the past, it was individual people, individual investors that wanted to buy a home and rent it out for, you know, for making that extra cash flow, making or creating their own little nest egg so that mm -hmm. when they get older, they have multiple properties that they can make money from, retire, and then pass it down to their family members. Uh -huh. That was the idea for most of housing. But lately, in the last 10 to 20 years, we've noticed that investing firms have taken a very big interest in single-family homes. And not only just that, but they've been buying up bulks of family homes, not just like a small amount of communities here and there. No, they're buying whole cities. Like wow. You can tell that in many cities, uh, a lot of the areas, a lot of the communities that are being built right now, a lot of the investors that are putting that money to buy those homes are companies like BlackRock, LLCs, uh, Blackstone, mm -hmm. Vanguard, and what they want to do because they've noticed that stock, the stock has a lot of risk. But buying a home and having it appreciate over time while you're renting it to people is the safest form of investment. Like, of that's what made the middle class the middle class that we have today. That's yeah. what made the 70s and 80s and 90s, the middle class, such a strong middle class that no one in the history of of, um, of of all the world has ever seen where we had people that were not rich, but people that were not poor, and they could basically uh, live, live and, and, and attribute to the economy the way that they have. So single family homes are the easiest venue of making and becoming wealthy. And a lot of these firms are buying up and taking over those those homes. And that's what happened in 2021. They were outbidding a lot of the new home buyers, mm. a lot of existing lower home buyers that did not have enough cash to or not money to give out the cash up front. So a lot of these investment firms were buying up homes and bidding out people. And that's why we saw the skyrocketing in home prices yep. the way that we did. Because now they set their own prices at the next seller. They, they renov yeah. uh, renovate houses or mm -hmm. they even, how do I say, they uh, gentrify a whole community. <laughs> we saw, I mean, I don't want to say it with like the SoFi Stadium here, but like Inglewood was not the best neighborhood to live around. And I lived in Hawthorne. I lived in Inglewood. But now mm -hmm. with the whole SoFi Stadium, SoFi like literally um, – increase the rent of everybody that was there yeah. that was living there for years so it's yeah. it yeah it's yeah scary. No, that led to and not only that but having a stadium next to your home increases your home value yeah. exponentially but what happens when you increase in the value of the home you have to pay higher taxes, taxes. on it so people were seeing that they were paying maybe a thousand before the stadium in taxes not maybe a, th a thousand maybe less than uh -huh. maybe ten thousand that's most yes. likely the price on a home that was worth maybe four hundred thousand uh -huh. dollars in the area before the stadium, then the stadium came. Then came commerce, businesses, and all that stuff started buying up the land. It increased the land value, and now those homes that were maybe four hundred thousand prior to the stadium now mm -hmm. are seven hundred thousand in value, and that increased your tax liability on that home by seven, eight, nine thousand dollars. Yeah. So people were they basically saw their taxes obligations on that 
home on that land doubled yeah. and they couldn't pay those anymore. I yeah. mean, let's remember that a lot of those people were lower income communities and people that did not have $10,000 a year or maybe even more than that to pay in taxes. And not only that, but rents have gone up yeah. too. So To wrap things up, what would be your 2024 financial tidbits? Tidbits, I would say, like I've said before, investing bonds at the moment, right now they're still pretty low. We might see a pullback on the prices. But as long as rates keep coming down and they've been going down right now, they're going to go up in value. And bonds have never been this low in the last 20 years. So you're buying at, buying them at the best price that you've ever seen them in the last 20 years, and most likely it'll keep going up. So bonds is one thing. Another thing is start saving for that home. Get ready to put the down payment whenever you see rates start coming down again. And that way you can at least secure a home before prices start going up because the moment rates are back to zero, and they've been zero for a while, you'll see all these big investing firms, again, coming in and buying up all the single-family homes for sale. And the last thing is open either a IRA or Roth 401k or a whole saving, whole life savings account or HSA uh-huh. because those are tax ad- advantage accounts. You can save on taxes by investing in your retirement. And it also use, you can use them as your own bank by borrowing money from, from yourself. So those are the three things that I would say you got to do. That is awesome. And one thing and tradition that I have here on the podcast is um, the last person who I interviewed gets mm. to ask the next question to the next yeah. guest, and you get to ask the next guest oh, the next yeah. question. Let's do it. Let's so, do it. <laughs> ¿qué esperas hacer para que siga avanzando tu proyecto? What do you, mm. uh, yeah, like what do you hope to do to keep advancing the current project that you're working on? Yeah, so I would say... Ahorita estamos trabajando con my wifey uh-huh. en comenzar un negocio de, no sé si ustedes han visto, pero la renta de las paredes de flores uh-huh. y, o corazones llenos de flores para eventos especiales como you want to propose to your girlfriend o quieres este, decirle a tu, girl, a tu girl que está saliendo que quieras ser su girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. O que quieras este, un, una celebración de cumpleaños o una boda. Entonces ahorita estamos haciendo eso. Y ahorita lo que nos falta, yo creo que es un plan. Okay. Tenemos un business plan de cómo este, eh, hacer el marketing, uh-huh. de cómo abrir the LLC, because we need to open an LLC for it, y, y, y cómo invertir en, 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 la, en, en los productos que necesitamos para comenzar el, el negocio. O sea, ahorita yo creo que necesitamos un plan. Ok. Es, es lo que nos falta. Yo creo que siempre para cualquier cosa tienes que tener un plan. Un plan para comprar una casa, un plan para invertir, un plan para comenzar un negocio. Y eso es lo que, lo que necesitamos ahorita. Que, <laughs> what question would you have for our next guest? Our next guest. You don't know see. who it is, True, but it's just huh? a, a question. Should we make it fun? It, it could be fun. It could be fun. It could be serious. Yeah. It could be dark. It could be silly. It could yeah? be stupid. All right, all right. Let's see. Cuando te enamoraste por primera vez, fue... ¿Una buena experiencia o fue mala experiencia? Ah, when you fell in love for the first time, was it a good or yeah. a bad experience? Morris, yeah. when can people find you? Oh, you can find me on Instagram as Morris Galvez FP. So my name, my last name, and then just at the FP. Or you can also see me on TikTok. We have a page called Tell Me Chisme. So arroba T-E-L-L-M-E Chisme, así como lo escuchan, y está en TikTok y en Instagram, y eso es donde tenemos ahí, estamos haciendo un chisme page. Oh, ya llegamos a los... Chisme. Yeah, no, ya, How ya, many ya, followers ya, do you have already on there? 80 mil, por ahí. <gasps> llegando, llegando a los 80 mil, como eso. 70 y algo. ¿Y cuánto has ganado ahí? How much money have you made on it? A couple, 
I would say like close to 400 to 500. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> it's not TikTok. a lot. It's yeah, not I a mean, lot. it's something. TikTok so, gives you a little bit of money. but I've made 18 bucks on TikTok. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. No, that's not bad. Actually, no, I, I made bro. more. Yeah. I made 50 bucks because 30 was on like uh-huh. views and $18 was on going live. Oh, that's good. And I, yeah. was, all, I was like, yeah, I'm just go kidding. Live. <laughs> you should go live more often and be I, like. Exactly. <laughs> Poco a poquito. <laughs> Oye, but Morris, yeah. thank you so much for coming on the podcast. No, it's no, been such you. a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I have so much fun whenever we get together and yeah. talk about this stuff. So to me, it's like, it's, it's like it's a great, great time all the time. Yeah, awesome, yeah. you guys. So don't forget to uh, like, share, subscribe uh, on Instagram, on YouTube, wherever you guys are listening or watching your favorite podcast. Until next time, aquí en Echale Podcast.